Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to No Chick Flick Moments. I'm your co-host, Remy. And I'm your other co-host, B. Welcome to our Supernatural Watchcast. Hello, hello. Hello. Another You couldn't great- hear my tummy grumbling, could you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, B. You're editing this week. <laughs> I'm like, as if on cue, my stomach was like, this idiot ate ice cream for supper and is now feeling the repercussions. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see who wins. Um, you who ate ice cream for dinner, or me who ate a lasagna with five pounds of cheese. I mean, either way, dairy wins. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing this week? Uh, what are we doing this week? This week we are covering Supernatural. Season one, episode eleven. I paused because I was trying to think. Does season one have twenty episodes or more? Like twenty three, twenty two, twenty two. Okay, okay. So we're at exactly the halfway point. I was trying to figure out if we had, you know, you know, gone over the hill yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're right we, on the cusp. Yes, yes. Uh, we are on episode eleven with Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Everyone knows Scarecrow B. I mean, it is pretty infamous for the fact that we have Sam and Dean part ways, however briefly. I I think that Scarecrow is the first episode outside of skin that did horror like really good. Really good. Yeah. I was reading the companion book, what they had to say, and they were all clapping themselves on the back about this episode <laughs> being like actually spooky. Right. I was, I was, I didn't know if I wanted to say uh, dead in the water or skin as the like good spooky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and but I that think transformation sequence, yeah. like that's got the creep vibe in it. Mm-hmm. Good monster. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's good monsters. Um, this episode, Scarecrow, was written by John Sheevan with uh, Patrick Sean Smith. Now, it's Patrick Sean Smith's um, only episode with Supernatural, but uh, John Sheevan did is the writer for Skin and Hookman. So he's yes. their like, go-to guy. Yeah, and he was an X-Files guy before that, so Mm. he's got a good handle on what makes something a little bit creepy. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so this is his third episode this season so far, and it was an episode directed by uh, Kim Manners, and this is Kim's second episode this season. Mm -hmm. Another legendary figure. Oh, yeah. What is the synopsis? Let's see. Let's see. So the air date for this episode was January 1st. Um, no, I'm sorry. January 10th, 2006. So we're welcoming the new year with this episode 11. And the synopsis for the episode reads... Uh, After arguing about the search for their father, Sam and Dean split ways. Sam to continue the search in California. Dean to hunt the mysterious disappearances of passing through couples in Indiana. That's quite a thing to hunt. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I caught that, but you know. 
And this is the first episode since the pilot that there's not a recap stinger what have you at the very start of the episode. Oh, I didn't even notice. I, I feel like sometimes with Netflix, um, uh, you know, if you, if you don't say, like, let me watch the recap, it kind of wants to default to, to playing the recap or to skipping yeah, the recap. Enough. So, um, yeah, I didn't even notice that there wasn't a recap, but those, those, the, yeah, those recaps have been pretty, uh, consistent. Uh, Just yeah. <laughs> save their family. Two brothers have to go back. Like, da-dun, da-dun, da-dun. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one, they had to use that recap time allotment to give us a flashback to one year earlier in Burkittsville, Indiana, where we are seeing a lost couple depart the town's kind of general store um, with a free pie and other hospitality coming from the Jorgensons who own this general store. Wow, everyone here is so friendly. And they're like, shucks, it's a small town. What else can we do for you? Can we fill your car with gas? It's not self-serve here. I'm like, oh my god. Luxury right then and there. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a, I'll give you an oil check while I'm at it. Mm-hmm. And the complimentary pie it sounded like they spent the day here and now they're finally ready to get back onto the road, onto the interstate. So they're given directions of which way to go, but their Mustang dies before they ever reach the outskirts. They have dead phones to boot, so it is time to cut through the nearby orchard towards a house whose lights they can see through the trees. B, I thought it was so funny to see this couple standing on the side of the road looking through the trees and then that lone light in the distance. And I'm like, this, I'm feeling a little deja vu here. Didn't we just talk about this? I was like, war flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, bitch, you run as fast as you fucking can. Do not stop and go. <laughs> and don't look back for the love of God. No. And if you come across a scary scarecrow in the woods like don't be there and be like my god that's scary it's like bitch you are getting all the signals fucking <laughs> run yeah well they see a, like you said a light in the distance and you know only one direction to go mm -hmm. but this scarecrow that they stop by you know it's large and in charge and the face is very leathery and stitched together and they have a bit of repulsive desire to look at it. And um, the woman, Holly, seems to see the head all of a sudden abruptly move towards her. And, well, fuck, that is not great. It's time to hurry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vince Vince is like, oh, yeah, let's stop and, and make fun of the leather-faced scarecrow. Holly's mm -hmm. like, look, I, I, I love you, but I don't want to be... <laughs> the stupid bitch in a horror movie come on let's go yeah she's really trying her best but they get separated and then she has to stop and she's calling for vince and it's spooky enough that she starts running and then she trips over this flayed body with the face peeled off and oh shit vince what the fuck were you doing while she was oh gone oh my god yeah it took his face b 
Well, yeah. Did you see its face? <laughs> it needed some luxuriating. It needed a Korean face mask. It just needed some help. And I guess it was like, Vince's face will do that. Oh my god. Unpleasant. <laughs> hey, it I was... apologize for everything I just fucking said. <laughs> it was effective. Yes. Yes. Spooky <laughs> running through the woods at night, as previously mentioned last week. Um, not on my top ten list of things to do. <laughs> Title card. Title card. And we cut back to where we cut off last week with Dean's cell phone ringing and Sam kind of grumpily answering it and then shooting awake, realizing that it's John on the other line. And B, it's Sam's dog shirt. The infamous purple dog shirt. I was always like, what the fuck are people talking about? And then I saw him. Oh, okay. So is this like the first time we get to see it and comment on it? This is so Sam is in bed in the purple dog shirt. He answers the phone. And and then we go into this, you know, John conversation. But who the fuck cares? I'm interested in the dog shirt because this is where we left off last episode where Sam answered the phone and we had that cliffhanger right at this moment. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't notice the dog shirt last episode. So I went back to the end of last week's episode oh my and God, <laughs> and and pulled out my magnifying glass and guess what he is in fact wearing the oh. purple dog shirt Oh my god, they did continuity. God bless them. <laughs> I the Barcelona. So we're just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> I didn't even notice. How did I miss the purple dog shirt? But I yes, mean, between- I didn't notice either. In this scene, between last episode and this episode, we are seeing the purple dog for the first time. Not the last time, folks. No, no. I was just like, yeah, they left Dean shirtless and they made kind of a point that we didn't get to see whether he had that buckshot scarring going on or not. But yeah, yeah, we were having some consistency, some continuity. A plus. Hey, hey, as we as we know from, you know, the the mathematical curve of Dean's ass. Oh yes. He, he canonically sleeps on his belly, so Yeah, so that had to be a sign that he was hurting. And I'm like, belly sleeping so bad for you. Anyways, not a doctor. <laughs> we have dear old dad on the line here. Yeah, and not just some um, you know, one-sided conversation that's going on where we see Sam arguing with himself. We have, we 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 see John at a payphone, um, somewhere, and he is telling Sam that yeah, yeah, it's me, it's your it's your dad. Hey, sorry, your girlfriend died. Yeah. Six months later, I'm like, you couldn't drop a card into the mail. <laughs> like, oh man. Well, yeah. So yeah. So yeah. it is. It's John. Sam is is immediately questioning him. Like, where are you? Where can we meet up? Like, what's going on? 
and Sam kind of gets down to the meat of it, which is you're you're hunting it, right? It, the thing, the thing that mm-hmm. killed mom, the thing that killed mm-hmm. Jess. Yeah, like capital I-T. Uh-huh. And yeah, this is the first time we're getting a lore drop happening that John is after a demon. And he's saying that it's not safe for them to reunite. They're everywhere and stop trying to find him because they can't be a part of what he's doing. Right. You can't be... That's why I'm calling. You need to stop looking for me because you can't be a part of this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, six months ago, man, couldn't drop a dime? (laughs) No, he just thought that he could go and that, you know, nothing They would tire out eventually. I guess. If they just drive across the country a couple more times, they'll tucker out and that'll be the end of that. Like, he didn't raise Dean to be fanatic about the family. Yeah, yeah. Well, and speaking of Dean, Dean has woken up over the course of this conversation. He realizes that Sam is on the phone with their father, and mm-hmm. he is, you know, only getting so much from Sam's side of the conversation alone. So he is demanding yeah. for the phone himself. He wants to talk to his dad. Yeah, he's eager to participate in this conversation. And particularly when. Uh, John is changing the subject and trying to get Sam to take down some names, a.k.a. he's giving them another case. And Sam's refusing to do this, but when John makes it an order, um, it's just at that time that Dean takes over the call. And we stop hearing what John has to say, but we hear Dean going, yes, sir, I got a pen right away, sir. Right, right. John's trying to get Sam to just, you know, listen to me, listen to my orders. Like, I'm telling you what to do, and this is what I need you to do. But uh, Sam is not having any of it. He's pushing back, you know? No, where are you? No, like, what's going on? Like, we're coming to get you. Like, yeah. Like it or not, we w- we're going to be there. Yeah, I- I'm done. And it's the same thing that we heard from him last episode. Uh, he He's saying, I'm done with running these fool's errands. It's, it's how yeah. he sees them. Yeah, well, he doesn't feel like he's accomplishing his goal, which is vengeance. Like he says flat out this episode, he yeah. wants revenge for what happened to Jessica. Yes. And mom, you know, that happened too. Dean, it affects you more than me, though. And I was just like, oh my God, I could slap the child yeah yeah we'll get to we'll get to that mm-hmm. but yeah yeah when dean gets the phone he takes on the names he is just staying on course you know we're gonna do what dad wants us to do we get more into that later too soon yeah yeah because our next scene we see is them driving. Sam's behind the wheel and Dean's sort of marveling on the case that John has given them. You know, these three couples went missing. They're from all around the country. But the thing they have in common is they were all driving cross country and taking a route through this particular part of Indiana on the second week of April. Which coincidentally, or conveniently, is this week. Yeah, so... Dad is sending us to Indiana to try to make sure that this couple doesn't die or another couple doesn't die. Oh, you know what? Fuck that. I don't want to do that. 
I'm going to California. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, it's the fact that Dean is complimenting John that really is the the straw that broke the camel's back for Sam. Because Dean is impressed that, you know, he found this pattern looking through all the different obituaries, like John's a genius type stuff. And Sam's like, Cape, I got to put a brakes on that literally. And right. pulls over at the side of the road and saying, no, I'm going to California. I'm going to help dad. And we don't always have to do what he tells us, which Dean just thinks is crazy. They should stay the course and save lives because that's what dad told them. Right, right. So apparently this payphone that John called from had a Sacramento area code. So Sam um, wants to head to California and chase John down, whether he likes it or not. And... Uh, sorry B the only thing I wrote down in my notes was I don't care and I can't remember who said it and for what reason (laughs) I don't care it could have been Sam Sam. or Dean (laughs) okay yeah Sam doesn't care that it's an order from their dad he's Mm -hmm. saying he just needs a week to get answers and to get revenge and Dean is trying to console him, bring him back on board by saying that he knows how Sam feels, but Sam just throws in his face that Dean was four when mom died. Like, that was ages ago. For me, Jess died six months ago. I need to do something about this. Well, yeah, and this is that kind of, this is that turn on a dime thing where Sam is saying like don't you want to find the thing that that we've been chasing for all of these years don't you want revenge and then dean says like hey dad said it wasn't safe for us and sam says look i don't care you don't know how it feels like oh what do you even do you even know mom enough to care about her <laughs> so he goes from like don't you want revenge to no fuck you uh, you don't even you don't even get it So, I don't know. Yeah. He's like, we're not on the same page. And I'm just sitting here in this moment. And it's like, Dean, I feel, is satisfied taking these orders from his dad and then trusting his dad to take care of the bigger picture. Because all Dean really cares about is getting the family he has back together. And so if he and Sam are on a Monster of the Week case, or if he and Sam are on the same case as their dad, it doesn't really make a difference to him because it's that setting that he wants. And I don't know. I I also... Dean's steadfastness here actually kind of hit me in a way it hasn't before because his tune hasn't really changed she's always been saying these things like what dad says goes and and he'll take care of it and um basically we just have to trust that if if dad says that he's got it then he's got it and i don't know something about um about this confrontation it really hit me like just how much dean really truly believes that john just he's got it like what are they worrying about john's got it yeah if you'll humor me for a second i'll read something from the companion book that jensen was saying which is um 
like that Dean is very blue collar and he drives the old car. He keeps chainsaws and shotguns and that's just what he does. It's what he loves. It's his life and he doesn't question it. He just takes it for what it is and loves it because his father loves it. And the whole thing with Dean is just like, dad's got it. And he's taken it from a young age to be like, this is what makes dad happy. It's going to be the same thing that makes me happy. I'm just going to mimic him. And then that's the way I'm going to find happiness. And so when dad is saying, stay away, I'm going to mimic him and say, we're going to stay away because that's the coping pattern Dean has learned. And he's doing it when it even is like not making sense. Like I think Sam is sensible in this being like, our goal is like the whole reason why our life is the way it is, is to find what killed mom. Mm -hmm. And here dad has said, I am hunting the thing. It's a demon. Stay out of it. Like Mm -hmm. Sam's like, no fucking way. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And to your point, I mean, Dean says it right here. Sam is saying like, how can you not, how can you not care? Like what do, what are we supposed to do? Just sit back and take it? Like you don't even question him. I don't understand how you can just go along with this. And like, how can you not even ask the question why? And Dean says, Hey, that's why I'm a good son. Yeah. Or he says it's, yeah, it's called being a good son. And I'm just like, don't fucking say that to Sam. That's a sore spot right there. Mm. I'm going to read just a little bit more in Jensen's own words. He says that um, the father figure he has has truly influenced Dean. What he wants and where he's going and his desires and his needs are all based around the life that his father created for him. That he wholeheartedly accepted. And getting Sam back into that life is something that he wants, not only for the manpower on the job, he wants to feel that family connection again, too. Mm -hmm. I think deep down, he wants the sense of normalcy, too, and wants to live a normal life and has the desires that Sam has, just on a different level. He wants more of the camaraderie of that family that he never really got, and that love from a father and brother that he never really got. There's a drive for acceptance that he's truly looking for. He wants his dad to love him and he wants to protect his brother. It's almost like he wants to do the, do for his little brother what he wanted his father to do for him. Damn, Jensen. Season one, boy. Season one, boy. <laughs> oh, man, Jensen. Like, saying that whole thing about, like, he wants the camaraderie, he wants the family, and here he has his dad saying, you can't be here. And so, what does he have to do besides accept that and then hold on to what he still has, which is his brother? But then in this moment, we have Sam being like, I cannot go along with dad's what he's telling me and I'm going to California whether you want to or not and so Dean's put in this position of well do I say fuck you Sam or do I say fuck you John and unfortunately the imprinting is stronger to say I gotta go with dad man but yeah even like Dean wanting to provide for Sam the 
the the love and the camaraderie that he never got from from John mm-hmm. and a partner. I here we have Sam rejecting it, saying, "Yeah, like like Dean." Okay, so Sam says no. No, I'm putting my foot down. This is the line in the sand. I am leaving. I'm going to California. Um, I can't just go along with this. So he he gets his bags out of the trunk and he's walking down the road. And Dean says, what am I supposed to do? Just leave you here? Sam says, yeah, that's what I want you to do. Go, go away. Yeah. And like Dean calls him selfish in this moment because like we said, Dean is trying to keep his family together mm-hmm. and he's trying to be like a kind parent without his co-parent telling him all of the details. Like he's trying to pacify Sam, not knowing any more about John's mission than Sam does. And so it's not working. And so Dean's in this parental position of you get back here or I'm leaving without you and having Sam throw it back in his face. I want you to leave without me. Yeah. That that's just a kick to the gut for Dean. Right. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, yeah. Uh, especially with that, with that peek into the mindset that Jensen would, would give. And, and what, what we've seen so far, he wants to keep this unit together, but he's been dealt the, the ultimatum. So, yeah, he's and, put the thread out there, so he has to follow through. And he's mad. I mean, this is a sore spot all around because yeah. because here's Sam leaving, and Dean is saying, you know, you're a selfish bastard. You'll break up the family. He says, uh, you know, we're going out to save people. This is the job. We're doing good. Yeah, and 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 Sam is rejecting that, but yeah. Dean is saying, you know, you're going to do, you're selfish. You're going to do what you want to do. Damn the consequences. Damn what anyone else wants. You yeah. know, damn what I want. Damn what John wants. Sam's just going to do what he, whatever he wants to do. And it, 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 I, I, I can only imagine this is very reminiscent of him striking out for college in Dean's eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think for Dean, too, in this moment, he's being lumped together with John, that Sam is not seeing what Dean wants. He is just seeing a reflection of what John wants. Mm -hmm. And so Sam can't, you know, say fuck you to his dad in person. So he's saying it to his proxy. And so Dean has to take this. He's a mirror. He's a surface for John. And Sam isn't seeing him as his brother in that moment. I, I absolutely agree. And we were talking about the same thing with last week's episode in Asylum because uh, we were just dropping, we were racketing up the tension where, um, you know, is Dean, is Dean your boss? Do you take his orders? And now, it, yeah, yeah. Dean is still the mirror, the the mirror to john here and sam finds himself like not wanting to become this person 
where he is just blindly following orders like there are some strong words being thrown out here like how can you just blindly follow him you don't even ask questions like how brainwashed are you and then the whole you know you're a selfish bastard you're walking away from the job you're walking away from the good that we could do and you're walking away from your family like it it's it's a lot yeah and i keep going back to what like Sam said flippantly about Mary, because we saw how strongly Dean reacted in the pilot to having her thrown in the face. And so Dean is very restrained in comparison to what we saw in the pilot. And I think he's doing it because he can sense like we're on tenterhooks here. We're on the verge of collapse. And Sam doesn't have the same level of respect for that collapse because Sam's willing to walk away. Yep. And yeah, and you've said it you know, a couple of times in the last few episodes, like, like Dean lives in fear of Sam just walking away and now it's happening. And, yeah. and yeah, but Sam with, you know, calling to Mary and talking about Jess, he says, how the hell do you know how I feel? You, you yeah. couldn't know, you couldn't know the half of it when we've seen how, how, affected dean is yeah like he was non-verbal after his mom's death so it's very reminiscent of like sam lashing out at a parent figure Mm -hmm. this conversation with dean and it's unfortunate but like that's where their dynamic is at this moment Mm. and it just as we're gonna see dean's like my bad day is about to get worse like (laughs) this is the absolute last thing he wanted to have happen but he kind of painted himself in a corner by being like get in this car or so help me and sam doesn't yeah yeah so dean drives away and you know to be fair he is on a bit of a timeline here yeah yeah he's got less than a week to figure out how to save some lives Mm -hmm. so here we go we see him arriving in burkittsville indiana um he does have a moment where he thinks about calling sam but he doesn't instead he goes to the nearby cafe and he asks a local about the missing people holly and vince parker that we saw at the top of the episode And this guy, Scotty, is saying that they don't get many strangers. Um, It's the questioning is just a dead end. Yeah, this um, this Scotty is not giving Dean an inch, uh, which Dean even comments on. You've got the brightest smile this side of the Mississippi. And yeah, he this local seems very closed off to this line of questioning. Yeah. We don't to the point of suspicion. I would truly like, how can anyone be this grumpy to Dean? But the (laughs) whole thing we're going to see while Dean's in this town is we're meant to read how Sam has a way with kind of the social charms where he can coax people into doing things that Dean just is, you know, he's striking out across the board the whole time he's here. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, and one other thing that we have heard f- that we do hear from Dean in the scene was that Dean has been going around multiple small towns in this area of Indiana. He's already been to Scottsdale. He's already been to mm-hmm. um, Buckley or Berkeley or something, something like that. Uh, and he asked around for his missing friends, but no one had heard anything. How about you? But Scotty, yeah, it's not. Nope. Haven't seen him. Nope. He is a closed little trap. So with that dead end, um, we return to Sam and his walking along the side of a highway. It's very desolate, but he does meet another hitchhiker wearing headphones sitting on the ground that he figures, you know, it's great to approach her from behind and grab her shoulder. She won't mind at all. I know, right? Like, just just get in front of her face. Like, get in her field of vision, Sam, anyways. Wave to her. You don't need to touch her. Yeah, he can see that she's got headphones in. She doesn't hear him when she, when he uh, says, hey. So he startles her um, by shaking her shoulder, and she jumps to her feet uh, and then says, hey, hey, hitchhiker boy, and... Hey, Hitchhiker Girl, what's up? (laughs) Fancy meeting somebody like you in a place like this. (laughs) And there's this kind of foreshadowing line where the girl says, you know, you could be some kind of freak Mm. as why she's not really keen to hang out around him, even though they're kind of having like a charming banter as we're meant to interpret it. Um, she does get in the white van that a strange man is driving. <laughs> he pulls over and just wants to pick up her, not Sam, with her. Yeah, like, Meg, I know who you be, but <laughs> red flag, dude, red flag. Oh, I know. I know we're at, like, the height of manic pixie dream girls. Yeah. But, like, the white van creepy dude is a trope for a reason. And, I mean, so be it. This is what we're doing, I guess. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, if I was Sam, I would have more to say than, oh, you trust the skeevy uh, van guy over me? Like, yeah. Like, he literally said, I'm not taking you. I just want the girl. Like, okay, okay. Okay. Right? But because we're going to leave on a witty one-liner with each other, I'm just going to smile as she drives off with this guy. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they're having fun. (laughs) Dean is not having fun. Yeah, Dean is talking to the Jorgensons. Um, What are their names here? Harley and Stacy. They're both like, nope, never seen hide or hair of these two photos you're showing us. But their niece, Emily, shows up and is like, well, yeah, no, I remember them about a year ago. The guy with the tattoo. And then... All of a sudden, Harley and Stacy are changing their tune. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they weren't here for more than 10 minutes, stopped for gas, and were, and they were on their way. I pointed them to the interstate. Yeah. And Dean's like, oh, okay, so which way did you tell them to go? That's going to be the next route that he drives. Mm-hmm. So he's on those directions, and as he's driving, he can hear something squealing in the back seat. So he pulls over, and his EMF reader is on, and it is chirping in his duffel bag. So 
It is a sign that he ought to wander into the foggy orchard at the middle of a dusky day. Hey, at least it's daytime. Did you get like the weirdest feeling of like, what season is this? Because I know they said the second week of April, but they were very much like, this hazelnut orchard is an apple orchard and there's lots of <laughs> apples in baskets on the ground. It's fall, baby. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, they were, um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I did read as fall for me, but, you know, it's an orchard. They gotta, they gotta have that fall vibe. It's just, it's wild to me that they are, like, in the future. Because you said we're (laughs) airing in January, it's April in the future, but it secretly feels like September. Because there's no fucking way there'd be apples for harvest yet. It's called harvest. It's in the fall. Well, they're plant, they're also, like planted apples right like just put there for the sceneries because like you said this isn't an this isn't an actual apple orchid they just toss some apples onto the ground yeah yeah pay no attention to the fact that none of the trees look appropriate (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but there are you know ladders and bushels and yeah 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 and a scarecrow and a scarecrow yes okay Dean goes to go check that out, and he's like, well, this is fucking ugly. I need to get a closer look. Also, I'm like, I can see this man breathing. Like, am I supposed to believe this is a, a inanimate object? But whatever. I mean, I agree with you. I like the fact that it looks like it has so much bulk to it. Like, I'm like, this is a person. This is a person wearing a harness. They're just up there chilling. <laughs> looking like a villain <laughs> yeah well so dean also sees fit to comment on the <laughs> appearance of the scarecrow and uh, he does see something that makes him take a closer look because the skin or the I don't know the 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 leather the leather the human leather <laughs> I I didn't know if it was like meant to be like a leather effigy or if it was supposed to be like um because like who the fuck looks at that and thinks yeah this is this is normal this is a cloth sack of straw yeah so yeah. <laughs> that obviously is not the case um. But on the leather of the arm of the uh, scarecrow, he Dean takes a closer look because he thinks he sees something familiar. And sure enough, checking the uh, the missing persons poster uh, flyer that he had been showing around town, the uh, skin that is covering the arm of the scarecrow has the same tattoo that Vince had and Emily commented on at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. And like, good eye on him. For me, I was like, oh, he noticed the sickle and he wanted to go check it out. (laughs) And then, oh, okay, this blotchy looking pattern on the arm. I'm like, A, why are they making effigies that like exactly line up? 
it would have been smart for them to like hide that identifying feature, but I guess it's a cool reveal for us. And it puts Dean in really close proximity to the scarecrow. And we're like, are we going to see another head twist a la what happened with Holly? Yeah. And he's in, he's inspecting the arm that is holding the sickle. So I'm like, you're in fucking batting range, dude. You need to get yeah. out of there. Yeah. You know, there is a pattern of deaths here and you're just like, yeah. I'm I'm gonna play fast and loose with my life here. And and he's chasing down the EMF. Like, why does he not have his handy dandy shotgun? Mm-hmm. He's like, it's daytime, and I know from asylum that <laughs> fuck all happens during the day. So, hmm. <laughs> and you know, maybe let's put some sad little head cannon on here where he's being a bit more reckless because he's out here alone. O B. That's it. Let's move on. O B. I know. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> he goes back into town up to the gas station and emily is out there and they're kind of chatting while she fills up the tank and we get her backstory yes she has um dean asks that she's a local to the town and emily says that she first came when she was about 13 years old her parents um had passed and she went to live with her aunt and uncle and yeah you know it's the boodon the the boodonks the boodonks <laughs> the boodonk the boondonks <laughs> it's the boonies but um but she she loves it she likes the small town life and she says that um you know a lot of towns aren't really making it out there uh people are losing their homes their farms it it, it it's not it's not great for the surrounding towns in the area but for them for good old what is it Berkshire, Birkin Burkittsville Burkittsville uh it's almost like they're blessed yes and isn't that an apt phrasing here mm-hmm. well let's take that away um one thing i wondered since so she said that her parents died in a car crash i was like mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. it really a car crash emily or was it something that the town maybe had another dire year where they couldn't find a couple and needed someone to be sacrificed? Yeah. 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 But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, Dean is asking her about what the what's the story about that scarecrow uh-huh. in the orchard? Like the fuck? And She's also creeped out by it, but she doesn't know who owns it. It's just kind of always been there. And I guess while they're talking, Dean sort of notices a a vehicle being repaired behind her. And he asks if it belongs to her aunt and uncle. But no, it is some outsiders passing through, um, getting some work done. And Dean's like, you wouldn't have to be... A, <laughs> it w- would be a couple that was driving the vehicle and emily's like yeah so uh oh here we go mm-hmm. uh yeah i was thinking about that too like t- once a year is not a leisurely clip of fucking human sacrifices no and like 
what's what's the luring capability they have here? How do they make sure that they're getting like hitchhiking couples through here? Yeah. Is it just because they got a week to work with and maybe lookouts in surrounding towns? God, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe they blew up all the gas stations in a you know fifty mile radius. <laughs> They're like, yeah, all of the other towns are so damn desolate that this is the only place you can go to for gas in Indiana. True, we'll find someone somehow. <laughs> True, I don't know, but yeah, I was thinking like you know two people a year. That's not nothing. No, no, and. I mean, spoilers, but it's a good thing that they have the sheriff department on board because Mm -hmm. that's probably a big reason why these things can get tidied away. Mm -hmm. Thank God we have little geniuses like John to figure out patterns. (laughs) Tell me (laughs) me about the clown juggalos, John. You're really really bitter about that. I'm, I'm mad that we have... John, the savant with obituaries, and we have John, the idiot with juggalo vampires. (laughs) Yeah, I found this case in Ohio, and I just couldn't be fucked with it. But don't, don't come see me now, boys. Here's a case that you have to, like, make the most important thing in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The juggalo's got a page in the journals. Indiana didn't get a page in the journals. No. And I'm like, if you would write it in the journal, and you're like, and then I just couldn't be bothered. Fuck these people. I hate Ohio. Goodbye. (laughs) I don't know. It's just what it feels like. That's a tangent. Well, we've got the couple with the car trouble. Dun, dun, dun. Cut to Sam. Cut to Sam. Um, he's at a bus station and he is really bummed about the fact that this small town that he's in doesn't have uh, constant departures to California on the docket. He has to wait for Sacramento's next departure tomorrow at 5.05 p.m. Yep. God, there's got to be some other way. Well, you could get a car. Thanks. I didn't think about that. And I'm just like... Again, I'm going to take a tangent here. He hijacks a car at the end of this episode to go find Dean. So why wasn't he like, yeah, I'm going to steal a car now? Because he met a cute girl, B. Oh, yeah, that's right. And she was kind of funny. And she got out of the car because he was handsy. Oh, <laughs> what a good joke, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I kicked, I kicked him to the curb. She's a cool girl. Don't you worry, Sam. She's going to come over, say she's heading to California to, you know, we can kill some time together type thing. And we get her name finally. It's Meg. Yeah. You know, if Meg wasn't here, then maybe he would have stolen a car because, you know, what's your rush? You've been looking, you know, you've been searching for something for so long. What's one more day, Sam? And I'm just like, okay, let's get into a spoiler zone here for the end of the episode. But, like, what was the game here? Did she want... Was she supposed to block him from getting to California? Or was she supposed to go with him? I feel like... Okay, so... Meg with the ulterior motives. And what are they? Because at the end of the episode, when she makes her call, she says, why did you let me... Why did we let them go? 
I could have mm-hmm. taken them both. And I, I, I feel like she was tasked to keep an eye on Sam, but not to make him, but when push came to shove, not to make him suspicious of her. Yeah. Because she was definitely angling to getting him out to California, but, um, but whether, you know, if she was ordered otherwise, or if she, if it was, I don't know, if she's just told to keep close, um, she, she, she let, she let them go. That's what, that's what I'll latch on to that's what that was her phrasing why did we let them go yeah i i definitely agree with you that she was there to kind of encourage the voyage to california Mm -hmm. and to encourage sam's independence from the other members of his family namely dean Mm -hmm. but it it was a little curious to me that she wasn't really an active agent she was just kind of around like you say and i'm like we know demons can just be swirling black vortexes of cgi (laughs) so it was interesting that she engaged with sam and like i said built up banter and was kind of being a empathetic soul to his situation Mm mm-hmm I mean, obviously we didn't see this happen with Meg, but I got the impression from her call at the end of the episode that she was told to do one thing and then she was told to, like, abort mission. Yeah, that's fair. Like, she seemed petulant, like she couldn't, she she didn't get to execute on what she wanted to. Yeah, I think that that's a fair reading because when Sam, as we'll see, as we'll get to... Um, takes off she's kind of put out and she's like are you sure are you sure and that's where like you're saying mm-hmm. she sees her plans change and you know hops on the phone hey dad what the fuck am i supposed to do like <laughs> did, i'm like did she get on the phone or did she do another chalice call anyways <laughs> tangents tangents aboard i'm meg Cutscene. yes back to dean yes He's going inside Scotty's cafe, and he is speaking to the couple who are passing through. Um, They're just like, yeah, we had no idea that our brake line was leaking. These guys are so nice. They're going to fix it for us. And, you know, they're initially humoring this stranger sitting at the next table beside them trying to make chit chat. But um, Dean keeps pushing it a little too far. Yeah, so they're at Scotty's diner. We see uh, the couple, and Dean is, uh, and the couple are saying, you know, hey, we just stopped for gas, but thank God the friendly mechanic noticed that our brake line was leaking. We would have been in a real pickle, and now they're fixing it for us, and and, and people are so nice here. Look, we got free pie. But uh, Dean is saying, like, oh, you know, all all afternoon to fix a brake line you know if you let me take a look at it i could get that fixed right up for you and then you could be on your way before sundown and very pointedly yeah right <laughs> um and and 
then he says, well, well, you know, but the, you know, the roads can be pretty dangerous at dark after dark. You never know. And that's when they're like, okay. Yeah. But, but like he 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 says, you might be in danger. And I'm like, oh, now you've pushed it too far. People don't like to hear that from strangers. Right. Right. No, like you, you know, you, you actually, you know. There's something coming for you. No, 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 no. That's when they say, hey, we're just, yeah, yeah. We agree with Scotty on this. Let's just uh, go go back to our pie. Yeah, we're trying to eat in peace. And speaking of Scotty, I mean, Scotty had been kind of keeping an eye on Dean. Very unfriendly. He didn't get his coffee. He didn't get his pie. Scotty is trying to... um, he discourage discourage yeah dean pressing this couple and lo and behold the sheriff comes into the diner to not so politely escort dean out of the building and i'm like oh my god okay well dean definitely knows that there's something going on here yeah there's a deleted scene at this moment where the sheriff is basically saying like there's been complaints of vagrancy (laughs) oh my god (laughs) like uh, we have a new homeless person and his name is dean and we don't like those type of folks around here so get in your car and go yeah and he's been there for all of half a day yeah Uh, obsessively with something you know that he's trying to you know figure out looking for his missing friends and if that's you know true he's not exactly harassing the locals so no Mm -hmm. and i feel for dean in this moment because he has a bit of a brief lamentation about the fact that his puppy dog eyes don't work nearly as well as sam's oh yeah and when the sheriff shows up he's like god like i've already had a bad enough day like do we really need to make it worse and i'm like he is being so charming and two feet forward. We're going to keep working, but he's just very defeated in that moment. Like, come on, can't I catch a break? It's been a rough day. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, especially with this couple here, there's, you know, there's only so much you can do. But he, you know, he's trying to save their lives. And that that's where the, like, the lament comes from. Like, man, if, if Sam was here, I bet he could convince you to, you know, save your fucking selves. But yeah. Dean's just not getting it done. Yeah. It's a desperate ploy for him to come out as close to the truth as he did. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're in danger, girl. Gotta get out of here. Go. And when there's no luck there, then he's kind of out of what cards that were dealt to him. Yeah. So he gets driven out of town. Yes, we see him getting escorted to the city limits. Um, and uh, after they're three miles out uh, of, I'll one day remember the name of the town. Brooksville, Beck- Bumpkinville. <laughs> that's not that's not a real word. Bumpkin. Bump. Burkittsville. Burkittsville. Uh, once they're about three miles out of town, the sheriff whoops around, satisfied that Dean will stay gone. Yeah, he's driven away the vagrants. <laughs> 
Um, we return to Sam and Meg, and they are getting a meal together while they kill time. And she's giving her story, and it's essentially that she wanted different things than her parents wanted for her. And, you know, they expected her to do what she was told, but she went her own way. We have to live our own lives type of story. And Sam's really jiving with it. He's empathizing and saying that Dean was kind of the same deal for him. So they had to part ways. Meg, like, oh, silly me. Look at, like, oh, what am I I talking about? Spilling my guts to a stranger. Yeah. (laughs) Who would have thought? No, no, I really get you. And, like, to the point where they do this little cheers to each other for living their own lives. Like, the beds may be hard, but our lives are free. Yep. Yep. Man. This 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 meal that they're sharing also very much confuses me. Yes, <laughs> they're sitting in a diner that I almost guarantee doesn't have a liquor license. But they're I'm like, is it a diner or is it still the bus depot? I know, maybe not. I don't know. There's ketchup and salt on the table, so. I just, I couldn't place it. I was like, they're still at the bus depot, and she just has, like, a Willy Wonka bag of traits that she pulled from. She's like, here's the beer, here's the Cheetos that are our main course. (laughs) Right, they've got, like, some, uh, oh, what are they called? Those little cakes, the days, not Daisy, oh my god. Little Debbies. Little Debbies! They got some Little Debbies and some Cheez-Its. So, so it's like they went and raided the vending machine, the bus depot vending machine, and Meg, yeah, Meg pulled a six-pack out of her duffel bag, so they're drinking warm beer with it, you know? It's just, you know, yeah. like, nor- like, like normal people do. This is what I would do with strangers, you know? Let's <laughs> just sit down and eat our Cheetos with beer. But, yeah. At least we're living our own lives and no one else's. Cheers to that. We're young and we're free and we do what we want. Mm -hmm. Oh, Sam. Mm -hmm. It is nightfall and Dean returns to Burkittsville. And the couple that we saw earlier has broken down, same as before. And now Steve and Eliza, Elisa, um... Enter the orchard, and we have the spooky noises as the scarecrow pursues them. Yep, except uh, Dean saves the day as as yeah. yep yep as the couple are fleeing the orchid the orchard. Uh, Dean is there to cover them in their retreat, so he blasts the scarecrow uh, with his shotgun it loses some stuffing and it holds it off just uh long enough that they the three of them are able to exit what seems to be like the boundary of the yeah the the field yeah the kind of threshold that the scarecrow can't cross because they reconvene at the impala and when they turn around the scarecrow is nowhere to be seen so Okay, that was weird. Bye, Steve. Bye, Alyssa. You have great days now. (laughs) Yeah, are you going to let me fix your brake line now? Yeah, I mean, oh my god, that would have been quite the fucking night. (laughs) And get out of here and tell your friends. Yeah. 
So we start with a conversation between Sam and Dean. Um, It seems like Dean has called Sam. He's driving as he talks. And um, Sam is trying to put together a theory based off of what Dean is telling him about that scarecrow. You know, something must be animating it. Um, And Dean figures that it's a pagan god due to the annual ritual of killing people, couples specifically. Right. They're spitballing like like some sort of fertility rite or some sort of you know blessing yeah a, yeah. a, a pagan god seems to be the the thing to point to me i'm like do, do pagan gods set off an emf okay i feel i was thinking about that too so i was like the emf reader is probably due to all the people who die in yeah. that area so there's enough of a spooky after effect due to them, but the god is the one who has the say in this zone, so there's no real spirits or things that are acting up. They're just the background noise to this wonderful pagan god we're going to make up right. for this episode. <laughs> Hundreds of years of violent death. Uh, I, I could buy some... Uh resonance from that yeah yeah man we haven't had an episode like this where we're really like split evenly split in our uh focus and in our split storylines i don't i mean that's that's my story i (laughs) i didn't have anything to add to that it was just (laughs) i'm just thinking of i'm just you know we're going from dean to sam and so far you know we haven't split the party and i'm even thinking like you know in general throughout supernatural we don't have like these divergent storylines too often Mm mm-hmm yeah, there's the occasional time when one or the other brother's like, mm-hmm. I have to go my own way and do my own things. I'm toxic. I'm poison. <laughs> and then we get the occasional crossover bit, like you're saying here. But mm-hmm. this is our first run at it, and they're doing a pretty good 50-50 split. Yeah. 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 So Dean was looking at the way that there was all that free food being thrown at the couple. Sam is saying that it's, you know, the last meal before the sacrifice to the scarecrow. And Dean has booked an appointment. He is en route to a community college. And he's kind of making this comment how he doesn't have his geek boy to help do the research. So he's got to do it himself. Mm -hmm. And... Sam is kind of picking on that and being like, okay, are you hinting at anything? You could just say so. Yeah, you know, if you if you need my help, then you could just you could just say so. No, 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 no. I would never. And and you know, so there uh, we have seen both Dean and Sam after this big blowout. They've um both uh, kind of hovered over the contact you know i should call him i should i should call him we saw it from both sam and dean um but uh now you know they're talking and uh and they're both remorseful for what what was said and what happened yeah but i would say that dean's actually surprisingly the one who's verbalizing it Mm -hmm. that you know he's saying that 
he wasn't hinting at anything, just Sam was right, and he's always known what he wants to do with his life, and he goes after it. He stands up to Dad, which Dean wishes he... And then he cuts himself off before he says anything more, but ultimately says that he admires Sam and is proud of him. And just, you know, please take care of yourself and call when you find Dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was very... This was, again, kind of, I think, following up on the... um, Dean as a mirror for John as a overbearing parental figure. And here, Dean is saying the kinds of things that John would never say, which is... yes. I'm proud of you. You like you have to be your own person. I admire your strength. Uh y- yeah, and and really giving Sam his his agency. Yeah. It's that little bit that I read from Jensen where he's saying like he's doing the things that he never got. He's mm-hmm. trying to give that to Sam. And the fact that he reacts in this way, um, Sam's very taken aback by it. And it's undermining everything that he and Meg just were talking about, you know. They wanted me to do what I was told, and I wanted to live my own life, and that was that. We had to part ways. And now Sam is hearing his brother say, like, I admire you for going after what you want. And, like, Dean's not saying this sucks and this is the worst day ever and I wish you were back here. He's keeping all those things to himself because he's trying to do what's best for Sam. Yeah. Yeah, because he is struggling. Yeah. But it's not about him. Exactly. And I'm just like, God, the the growth, the strength that is being shown in this moment because their parting words were not kind. And to have Dean, you know, come to this point of reflection is really kind of a big thing. Mm-hmm. And and I'm glad that we get to talk about this scene because when I was watching it, it really fell flat to me. I don't know about you, but I didn't like this phone conversation. I kind of get, like, I get the sentiment behind it. I get the yeah. deeper, like, meta, you know character analysis we can assign to it but just watching this scene it felt flat and scripted to me i don't know if you felt the same way i felt i was like this is dean just needing to talk i'm like this is sam (laughs) being the psychiatrist in the moment you know um the fact that they're not face to face is what's allowing dean to vocalize all these things because he ultimately is not calling sam for help he is not needing his input he's already got his lead he's going for it but he needed to talk to sam and tell him these things and so sam is very passive in this scene he's just receiving the growth that dean has experienced in his absence and I think that that definitely can be why it feels flat because um, superficially the conversation is about the case. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Sam has no point in that part of the conversation. He's throwing things out there, but ultimately it's not needed. What's needed is for him to just be ears and hear Dean out. Yeah, I like I like that uh that this is a moment of growth for Dean and uh Sam is just the receptacle. 
Yeah. And yeah, so Sam's just taken aback. Like I mentioned, he doesn't really have anything to say. And when Meg approaches, um, she asks, you know, who that was, what that was about. And he says, it sounds like Dean saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. Like it's hitting Dean or sorry, it's hitting Sam. Like, oh, I walked away from my parent figure and my parent figure is proud of me for it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this wasn't what I thought I was doing. And it, I think it takes a bit of the fire out of him that he's not rebelling against this overbearing parent anymore. He has walked away from his brother who does care about him and is proud of him. Right. I think that it's exactly that. It's kind of taking the wind out of his sails and he has been built up Dean to be just this like ball and chain that's preventing him from moving towards you know his own goals and and then realizing that that's that's really not necessarily the, necessarily the case i i mean even when sam comes back later in the episode um at, at the end of the day he's like look we we're going to stick together. I, if we're going to see this through, then we need to see it through together. Cause what else am I going to be doing? Chasing down dad. Who's who knows where alone. There's no value in that either. I think that he kind of realized that like, what am I doing? And how, how am I doing any better on my own? Trying to find dad when dad doesn't want to be found. Yeah. Then, you know, than being with and supporting Dean. Yeah, and just as you were talking there, I was realizing, like, you say that he was, you know, kind of rebelling against this thing, and I'm like, to tie in with the plot we have here, um, the last couple of episodes, Sam has built this straw man version of Dean. Like, he's built this effigy that he has pointed all of his frustration yes. and anger towards. And in this phone conversation, he realizes, oh, there's a person behind that. And, like, my brother is not who I have built him up to be because I've been so frustrated. And it makes him second guess. Like you say, like, he had all of that frustration and anger that just kind of shot him like a rocket with yes. uh, narrow-minded focus. I'm just going to find dad. And now that that fire's taken away, he's looking at the big picture and be like, how am I supposed to find him <laughs> when the two of us couldn't find him together? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's definitely what I, yeah, what I read from um, Sam's, uh, you know, remorse and the remorse that we see in Sam here yeah yeah i agree so we cut back to dean and he is chatting with this professor from the community college nearby um asking really pointed questions about you know who settled nearby okay they're scandinavian um that meant that they believed in a lot of different norse gods and the professor pulls out this book, they're flipping through it, and okay, there's not really any woods gods, but you could be talking about the Vanir, who are gods of protection and prosperity, um, and they had effigies, human sacrifice was a man and a woman, you know, check, we're getting check, all check, of these. Check. Bingo. Dean's just sitting there like, awesome, I'm reading from this, and the <laughs> professor's like, 
um, this isn't real. You understand that, right? Like, because Dean's like, okay, if they have a sacred tree, um, what would happen if I torched it? Like, would the god die? And the professor's like, this is all made up, son. <laughs> Except. Except. He's a dirty liar who lies. Mm-hmm. As Dean goes to leave with his new information, um, he opens the door and he's hit with the butt end of a gun by the sheriff, who was tipped off by the professor that Dean was here asking too many questions. Yep, the 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 professor's in on it, but you know, good on the professor, I guess, to for you know instead of just stalling Dean, actually providing actionable information on the spirit that he's supposed yeah. to be protecting. Yeah, he could have been very misleading, but I guess Dean knew exactly what he was after, so um, that didn't work out maybe as well as he had hoped. Mm -hmm. Now, did you notice, um, because I was keeping an eye as I was on this rewatch, I noticed that Harley had a ring on his right ring finger, the sheriff had a ring, Scotty had a ring, Um, they all seem to have the same ring that they were wearing on the same finger of their hand. The same ring. No, I, I did notice it on Harley because I liked it. It was a little, like, ke- Celtic yeah. in design. Um, yeah. Just this iron band ring um, with some, um, like, it, it kind of looks like a runic or Celtic knot kind of engraving. Yeah, my guess it would be, like, uh, Odin's knot or something like that. Right. Um, no, I saw it on Harley. I didn't notice it on any of the other quote-unquote town elders. Yeah, you couldn't see close enough, but I did notice they all had a ring on the same finger. So mm-hmm. I was like, mm, I wonder, I'm going to make up my own headcanon that they had kind of their own Freemason-style decoder rings that signal to each other who they are. Well, that would be a a good little, you know detail what I'm, what I'm trying to think costuming costuming consistency keeping continuity that's the word um it, a, a good little nod to to this group of uh, i'm cal- i'm calling them the town elders uh, yeah because from this scene where dean is knocked out cold by the sheriff we are now um uh, in a field, and we have uh, Stacy, Harley, the sheriff, Scotty, all the people from the town that we have seen and we know are in on it, except for the the professor, I suppose. Um, but these uh, these uh, locals, elders, like these, you said, yeah, yeah. The, these elders that are now. Um, conferring about the issue at hand which is that they are on the seventh day of this year's cycle uh the sacrifice has not yet been fulfilled and the uh the spirit the god is already angry with them the trees are already beginning to die so for the good of the town they have to do something yeah and Harley, whatever it is, doesn't seem to be happy about it. But even his wife is like, for the greater good. And I'm having hot fuzz flashbacks. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, Aunt, Aunt Stacy's down for it. 
Yeah, yeah. And so Harley has no choice but to get on board. And we find soon enough what it is, is since they don't have a couple to sacrifice, um, they do have the boy, aka Dean, who mm-hmm. is being kept down in this cellar. And they usher the niece Emily downstairs with him. And she's quite distraught, kind of asking her aunt and uncle, what the hell? Um, but it's for the common good, sweetie. Now just stay down there and be ready to be sacrificed. Oh my god, and she's not exactly fighting it. I'm just going to choose to believe that she doesn't really know what's going on, because otherwise she's just like, no. Yeah. And Stacy, no. Yeah, I really feel at this point it was like, hey, you know, Emily, come for with a walk for us. And then they open the cellar door and she's like, what's happening here? And they're like, don't worry, honey, just go down there. Goodbye. And then Dean's the one who has to fill her in. Yeah, you're about to get killed with me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my favorite thing about this little meeting of the elders um, was Harley, like we like we said, is, is reluctant to sacrifice his own niece. Um, uh, and he is also saying, like, you know, we just send, you know, we just guide them to the field, these couples that we sacrifice every year. We um we make it happen we ignore the screams but this feels different this is murder and i'm like what the fuck do you think everything else was it's that whole community thing like i can excuse Mm -hmm. x but i draw the line at y exactly it's just like i can totally excuse you know sending couples to their death but i draw the line at participating in it Right. Even the sheriff later in the episode, he's like, we don't kill them. We just kill them? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, yeah. No deaths, only killing. (laughs) Yeah, well, so, yeah, Stacy, not Stacy, Emily is now locked in this uh, cellar along with Dean. Yeah, and she's getting the skinny real quick from him. Um, basically that they can't break out. Um, she doesn't know anything about what was going on, but he's asking her, do you know anything that fits the description sacred tree? (laughs) And she knows about this apple tree that allegedly came over with the first immigrants that settled here. Yes, the fir- they call it the first tree. She doesn't know which one it is, but she knows that um, it would be somewhere in, in the orchard. And, yeah. and and Dean is also like, wow, wow, you really didn't know anything about this? What was happening in your own town under your own nose? And no, she didn't. Nope, she was just an innocent. Mm-hmm. Sam, meanwhile, his bus has arrived, but Dean isn't answering his phone calls. So that's enough to alarm Sam, and he ends up leaving Meg, saying that Dean might be in trouble. And she just doesn't understand why he would go back to Dean. But, um, you know, come with me to California instead. I'm your manic pixie dream girl. Um... Sam is saying that he can't because Dean is family. And so he leaves. Yeah, Meg is definitely pushing here, saying, like, Dean, the Dean, the brother that we were talking about, the one that stifles you. 
Yeah. Why would you why would you go back to him? And then when that doesn't work, it's well, he's probably fine. It's just his phone is off, but n- no. Sam Sam has a bad feeling about this, so he yeah. has to go. Yeah, he cannot be swayed. So this is him and Meg parting ways. Yep. Um, the cellar door opens and Dean and Emily are marched out at gunpoint and tied to the trees in the orchard. Emily is begging her uncle and aunt, but they don't waver despite their sorrow. Um, and we get this line from Stacy saying that sacrifice means giving up something you love for the greater good. And to me, having Dean overhear this, this is the... The line that he tells himself being thrown in a light that he can question, you know, Sam should sacrifice the life that he wants for the greater good, a.k.a. for the family. And then hearing that be the justification that the Jorgensons are using to kill their own niece, he's seeing how it's not like the be all end all. Um, I'm not saying that it's enough to completely eradicate this belief in him, but I think it is feeding in the theme of, you know, Sam's not wrong to want to live his own life. And there is a cost that comes with cutting away the pieces of yourself that want to be independent, want to be something else other than what is expected of you. Yeah, Stacey's saying, it's our responsibility. There's no other choice. We have to do this. There's nobody but you. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just all of these justifications. Yeah, suck it up and do what I tell you. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I can definitely see those those parallels. Yeah. Um, Dean's not happy. He's like, I hope your apple pie is freaking worth it. (laughs) Oh, Dean. You didn't even he get didn't to. He didn't even get to. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even get to try it. You don't know if it's worth it. Maybe it is. Truly. It would have been kind of funny if he was sitting there like, oh, you know, six and one, half dozen and <laughs> the other. <laughs> no. Can't do it. Oh, man. Wow. But it's okay. He has a plan, right, B? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he and Emily get left alone, and she's like, you have a plan, right? He's like, oh, yeah, definitely. And then it's like six hours later. <laughs> right. Do you still have a plan? Yeah, yeah, I still do. It's fuck all. <laughs> right. We see that it's now the, the sun has fully set. They're in a pickle. Uh, Dean mm-hmm. is saying, no, no, I got this. Uh, by the way, is the scarecrow still there? <laughs> yeah, just just by happenstance do you see if the scarecrow is looming and she can't see but we can hear footsteps approaching and it's like oh fuck except sam appears and dean is so excited to see him (laughs) i take back everything i said (laughs) you stole a car that's my boy i'm so proud like (laughs) that's my boy oh that line yeah oh Bless, he's back to being the proud parent figure. <laughs> Sam is here. He cuts uh Sam Dean and Emily from their binds, but um bad news. What what scarecrow? Yeah. He looks back and we see the empty perch there, so oh fuck, we better take off mm-hmm. running. Mm-hmm. 
My favorite thing about this was when Sam does come up, Dean says, okay, I take back everything I said. Don't go. Don't leave me, please. I need you. I do need you. <laughs> oh, I just, I love the relief. It's palpable. Yeah. Yeah. So they're running through the orchard. I'm assuming that they're looking for the sacred tree, but lo and behold, all those elders are there to stop them in their tracks with their guns out. Well, well, Sam says, um, Sam says, well, where's the tree? And Dean says, I don't know. And I don't care. We just need to shag ass out of here. We'll come back in the morning. Very, very true. Yeah. But yeah, no, they, they don't quite make it to the edge of the orchard. They are accosted by the uh, the town elders. Yeah. And once again, they are outgunned. Emily is begging to be let go. And Harley and Stacy are kind of standing there as the secure front. Except, oh shit, the scarecrow sickle appears on the wrong side of Harley's chest. He has been stabbed. And Stacy starts screaming, everyone scatters, and the scarecrow grabs Harley and Stacy as the sacrifices that year. They deserved it. Harley with his whole just just let it take you. It'll be over quick. I'm like, oh yeah, my sh- god. It's okay. Oh my god. It was getting a little that was getting a little real for me right there. Mm-hmm. Well, so Stacy and Harley are the sacrifice, and um, the the other locals scatter like startled cats. Mm-hmm. And the trees are sounding spooky, but Sam, Dean, and Emily make it out okay. Mm-hmm. And they come back the next day during daylight. They locate the tree with the runes carved into the trunk. And they pour gasoline on it and they leave Emily the honors of dropping the fiery torch onto it, knowing full well that the town will die because of this. Yeah. And I mean, on she, she says good, but yeah, if, if this is how they were sustaining themselves, then that's, yeah, then they, they deserve to, they just. You know, this should, this is a long time coming. Yes. And then we cut to Emily on a bus heading to Boston with Sam and Dean seeing her off, hoping that she's going to be okay on her own. And um, Sam's kind of pointing out no one's really gotten punished, but um, Dean says what'll happen to the town is punishment enough. I liked Emily. You know, Emily should have stayed with the boys. Let's make the duo a trio. Little... No, we hate girls. No, I wanted my orphan Annie. Badass. (laughs) She doesn't have anywhere to go. It was perfect. Well, she always can live on in fandom. Um, (laughs) She's a little better off than another one we're going to see in a couple episodes time. Mm. Poor Sarah. I I was sitting here and I'm like, how many times do we Sam and Dean see off this little orphaned girl onto a bus? And I'm like, I can think of like three times at least. I'm going to have to keep a running tally as we go through. I'm only counting two. I'm like... Emily, they see off Charlie, and oh. then there's the girl in season 13. Um, Lily? The, 
the hacker type girl in the episode where um, Dean returning from hell, his blood is used to get through these Indiana Jones style trapdoors. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the Winona wannabe, as Dean calls her. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Is her name Alice? I want to say her name is Alice. Anyway, Alice sounds right. I liked her. She's Alice now. Flower, uh, Doc Martens. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's one more with the de aging episode, uh, with Hansel and Gretel and oh, okay the 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 woman that's de aged and she's gonna go live in I don't know what was it Santa Monica something like that. I don't think they see Claire off on a bus, but they do see her off on a taxi, so it's a similar sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. Running theme. <laughs> because no girls allowed. No. And for Sam, um, Dean is actually offering, you know, I can give you a ride wherever you want. I can drop you off somewhere. But Sam is saying, no, Dean, you're stuck with me. Um, I still want to find Dad. Dean's still a pain in the ass. But Jess and Mom are both gone. Dad's in the wind. So Sam and Dean are all that is left. They'll see it through together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I That line did... It, it made me think a lot about where Sam is at. You know, me, you and me will see it through together. We're all that's left. Um, and again, with... Uh, you know, John's off God knows where. I mean, this is, this is Dean, this is Sam. We see Sam kind of coming around to what Dean has known all along. Like, Sam, I I, I don't know. I, I just think that Dean knows that it's basically futile to go looking for John one way or another. I mean, even when they do meet up with him eventually it, it it's because john you know met up with them he i sought them i out. agree i think it's just the nose part that i want to investigate a little bit because hmm. for me it feels like dean just takes it on faith that it's not something he's interrogating and so when it's not working out or when it it comes from john himself saying don't try and find me i don't want you here dean just takes it at face value and doesn't interrogate it so it comes out being the same way like he knows that that's just the way it is but i feel that it's more of a instinctive knee-jerk thing than anything that he's explored i i would agree with that like i said it struck me this episode more so than another than any other episode even though dean has been very consistent um Mm -hmm. it struck me in this episode just how much on faith he's taking everything that john is saying yeah, and that's something that's really interesting to see in the early episodes mm-hmm. is how Dean's faith is in his father and then how that gets shaken up and how those foundations change as the series progresses. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Dean was thrust into being John's partner at a very, very, very young age. Yep. You know, everything was a shared responsibility even when it shouldn't have been 
And so I can see, I mean, I think that obviously John at points is, um, takes it, abuses it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a useful tool for him. And so he did not discourage it. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I won't talk about eldest daughter syndrome. I won't. (laughs) But it's eldest daughter syndrome. Anyways. I'm like eldest daughter derangement syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that, like, relationship where Dean is a partner to John is, but but an unequal, but it is an unequal partnership, obviously. But it's just weird. It's a weird dynamic, but it's a very relatable dynamic, question mm-hmm. mark question mark like dean is a vessel for what his father needs him to be yeah and with mary's absence that tends to be what dean seems to by necessity have to act like like what will make dad happy what will keep the peace what will make things easier for all of us what will keep our family together those are all the questions that Dean had ingrained in him at very young age, and that has informed his decision making since then. And so, like, what will keep our family together? What will keep Dad happy? Is Dad doesn't want to be found, so we're not going to try and find him. That's that's that on that. Right, right. And there's also this like, uh, and all of this faith I feel is also coming from like a feeling of. Because we hear Dean a lot saying throughout a few episodes, like, this is why dad likes me best, right? Yeah. Like, this is, this is why, um, I don't know. Like, this is a happy and normal and achievable goal for me, (laughs) is having my father proud of me. And like, this is the pinnacle. This is what everyone wants. This is the high you should be chasing, Sam. Yes, yes, yes. And Sam's just like, I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) So to me, like the whole thing, if you put it in the context of, of, you know, Dean having all this responsibility put on him at a young age and he grew into it, like you said, it's so deeply ingrained in him, this like trust in John because he thinks it's a partnership that's the word that I keep coming back to. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But but he also doesn't realize how unequal of a partnership it is. Um, because I just I just keep feeling like all of this all of this tension between Dean and Sam versus um, Dean's like staunch protectiveness of John is one part trauma, one part like. Dean trying to find hey, that's with, my partner right Dean trying to find with Sam what he had what he felt he had with John yes I agree with that that camaraderie that companionship that even Jensen was commenting on yeah that high that Dean is forever chasing that our family can be together and be happy and you know he can see how closely he can get that with John and he's like come on, Sam, we could do the same thing. And Sam's like, no, that's an insane goal. Like, that's not achievable. And that tension between the two is what Dean is not 
clear on how to handle. Right. Right. Because I don't want to put it, I don't want to put it all on Sam because it's not. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's trying to put the circle in the square in, in a few different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you put it in the context of, like, Aldous Daughter Syndrome, uh, it feels like a organic and, um, and, like, realistic responses, uh, that we're seeing coming from Dean, e- even yeah. though we as the viewer can see the, the, the cracks in, in, the, in those foundations. Yes. Yeah, it really makes sense for Dean, but we know that it's not what's best for him, and he hasn't figured that out yet for himself. Something about this episode just made some things click for me. Yeah, it. I feel for me, it was Sam finally has a peek behind the veil of Dean being a parent and seeing Dean as a brother. Mm-hmm. Because Dean has raised Sam in a way that protected him from a lot of what molded Dean into who he is. And I think for Sam, it's very easy to take that for granted that I'm like this. So why isn't he like this? Mm -hmm. And it's like, because him being the way he is allowed you to be the way you are. And and for me, it was uh, some pieces falling into place with Dean's uh perceived relationship with his father. Yeah. As opposed that to too. what's what he's been trying to build with Sam. Oh, there's so much to this episode <laughs> and like they don't even know. <laughs> they don't even know. So after this little tender moment from Sam, um, it's being said face to face. So naturally, Dean has to break it by being like, hold me. That was beautiful. (laughs) And Sam's like, come on. And they get back to kind of their brotherly banterly way. Right. And we have a final scene with Meg hitchhiking with another creepy guy in a creepy van. And he's excited because she's asked him to pull over. Um, But she pulls out a chalice saying she needs to make a call and slits his throat to collect the the blood draining from the cut. Yeah, not that kind of call. Not a cell phone kind of call. No. And, And here is where we see the conversation that we were talking about earlier where... Meg, we, we, we only hear one side of the conversation, but Meg is questioning her orders. Uh, I, I could have taken them. I could have taken them both. Why did we let them go? Yeah. And to this swirling chalice of blood, um, we do hear her listening to an un- inaudible mm-hmm. conversation, but she does end it by saying, yes, father. And then that's the end of the episode. Yes. I'm also 99.8% sure that this van that we see here is the same, like, Athena moon uh, stoner van that (laughs) 
Um, Andy Andy, Gallagher. Yeah, Andy Gallagher. I was going to say Max, but that's, I think that's, I don't know, is that his twin? Anyways. Mm, I think that's like another special Uh child. Matt or Max. Uh Anyway, season two, Andy Gallagher's bust from season two. I'll see. I didn't get to go, I didn't get to go look it up. Oh my god. I'll have to check it out. I just love the thought that maybe this van's um, uh, belongs to one of, like, the 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 light crewman, <laughs> the, like one of the guy, like one of the guys that brings the bagel, or the guy who angles the lighting, or the 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 boom the boom boy, and they're like, hey, I like your van. Let's use it in the show sometimes. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, man, do it whenever. <laughs> I don't. I, that's just the story that I've made up for concocted. Oh yeah, the the van's backstory. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that van. <laughs> So yeah, here we are at the end. Um, what is your final takeaway, Remy? I'm I'm just gonna stick with how it really hit me. How um, genuine the how how solid the trust is um, on on Dean's side. Obviously, I wouldn't say that John has the same trust in Dean that Dean has in John, but I really, really got the sense this episode that Dean just feels really confident that everything's okay uh, as long as... uh, Not everything's okay, because obviously it's not, but Dean... I think that in previous episodes, I could, I could think like, okay, this is just Dean, um, like hiding his fears in this, bra- mm-hmm. like bravado, uh, but in this episode, I just got this sense that Dean felt he felt bolstered by this phone call from John. Like everything's like, like dad's handling it. Yeah. Like any uncertainty that he was feeling in previous episodes got washed away by just receiving a direct order from God's mouth to your ear. Yeah. And and finally getting that acknowledgement, finally getting that phone call, it, it put him Definitely seemed to put him back on steadier footing. Yeah. Yeah. I think receiving orders just the way that he used to, it takes away any uncertainty. There's no room for that anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, you can take comfort from that. And that's what he felt like this episode was. The comfort was there. Dad's saying he's keeping us safe by telling us to stay away. So we're just going to do that. How about you? I mean, uh, I feel like it's obvious. I'm just very fascinated with the way in this episode, Sam finally looks at Dean as a brother. Mm -hmm. Like, so far, he's just been more of this vessel of John's behavior. And so the two have been almost indistinguishable to Sam, particularly in recent episodes. So to see that kind of moment of illumination for Sam this episode was really 
engaging and I really liked having the opportunity to see the brothers like fight part ways and then choose to come back together. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that they're uh, in a different way from the Dean and John relationship uh, for the Dean and Sam relationship. It, it, it again feels like some sort of weight was lifted. Yeah. That maybe since the pilot, they've been together out of necessity because they were both on this common path of we got to find dad. But now that that um, direction has been shut down by the man himself, they get the opportunity to come together by choice. And in doing so, um, it's a stronger moment for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to say, coming out of watching that episode, I definitely did. You know, I was just kind of like, oh, good episode. But after talking about it, I feel like I got a lot more out of it. Yeah. I think we're also, like, putting a lot more into it. (laughs) No. No. B. No. No. I mean, we're not known for doing that. Ah, No. Backflips? Nah. No. No, of course not. But that was Scarecrow. I'm pretty sure, yeah, they were just supposed, the whole point of the episode was to introduce the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah, and, you know, here's the lore drop. It's a demon, Sam. And stay the fuck away. Yeah. And no more of the, uh, yeah, let's slam some car doors and just drive off. Now we're actually, like, happy about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, that was Scarecrow. Thank you guys for listening. We had a great time. I hope you guys did too. Uh, If you did enjoy us talking about this episode, go ahead and like or reblog our our posts on Tumblr and Twitter. Help spread the word. We post up preview clips of all of our episodes. And it's a good way to give um, people a little tidbit of what we're getting into and the more exposure we get the better and um if you guys leave a comment that's another way to get us out there yeah any sort of review um leaving stars subscribing all of that helps with visibility out there and we love the conversation we love having you guys here and the more the merrier as far as we're concerned Oh, yeah, definitely. So we have been having a great time. (laughs) Yeah. And we will see you next week with episode 12, Faith. Episode 12, Faith. Right when I was writing down the synopsis for this episode, I saw that next next week's episode was Faith. And I texted you, B, Ooh. <laughs> Eyes emoji. <laughs> That's another juicy one. I can't keep I can't keep doing this be every new episode can't be the juicy new episode. You're like season one has this, it has this. <laughs> every time's a shocker. I know, I know. Well, Faith, looking forward to it for sure. Definitely. Alright. See you guys. Yeah, see you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.